Hello, brothers and sisters in Christ. This is another Liberty from Captivity podcast. I am your host, Kelly Ward. And today is Friday, September 30th, 2022. This is episode number 14. And the title of today's show is Make Your Words Few. So as you can see, this episode is all about your words. I had prayed about what to do in this podcast. It was on my heart to start some podcasts that were based on specific topics instead of doing like a series, like the foundational series that I did. I wasn't for sure what to prepare for, and right before I sat down to start preparing these notes several weeks ago, suddenly I felt the Holy Spirit say to me, or at least I believe He did, and reminded me of something from years ago, make your words few. For me, that phrase has a special meaning. I'd like to share with you part of my testimony so that you can understand a little bit better. Perhaps you can identify, as we have all had things in life that we regret, things that we've done that we're not proud of, before Jesus found us. And that was certainly me. In 2014, when I was about 35 years old, I had lived the life like the world for pretty much all my life. Even though there was a time when I went to church early in my life, I never really had a true relationship with God. I don't recall ever hearing a sermon about our words during that time either. But after my conversion in 2014, I had given my life to Jesus and was pursuing Him with all I had. I went to church, served at church, and in different ministries, started really reading the Bible for the first time, praying and repenting. My life changed so much so fast. One of the changes God wanted me to make was concerning the things I said. I had a bad habit of running my mouth giving my opinions, and just giving way too much. Have you ever known anybody like that? Well, that was me. Let me tell you, that's really annoying, and I don't want to be one of those people. I was also guilty of gossiping, and that's something that I'm not very proud of. On several occasions in my prayer closet, and yes, I was actually in my closet, I wrote in my journal several times, Make your words few. It seemed like time and time again, God would put that on my heart. I was wondering, why would he keep saying that? The first way of cleaning up my act was to start policing myself and making an effort to change what I was speaking. I I didn't know exactly what that meant, but I knew for sure that I wanted to ask for forgiveness for the people that I gossiped about and to those whom I shared gossip with. That was a very difficult thing to do but it allowed God to humble me. Fast forward to today, I don't gossip and I'm careful with what I say to other people. I try to avoid any conversations that involve it too. There are times when I struggle with the things I say. It's easy to get frustrated and say something you know you shouldn't in the moment like a negative word. I've been guilty of doing that when something doesn't quite work out or a particular situation seems like it's taking a long time to resolve and I just say how I feel. I know that it's displeasing to God. So let's look at what our words do and really allow God to help us. As I began really reading the Bible, I found a verse somewhere. I don't remember exactly which one it was several years ago, but I think it was something like Ecclesiastes 5 verse 2. Do not be quick to speak with your mouth, nor let your heart be hasty to utter a word before God. For God is in heaven, and you are on earth. Therefore, may your words be few. I remember 
The first time I read this in the Bible, I was stunned. I was actually hearing from God. Who would have thought that conviction was so amazing? I knew this meant that I had to change, though. And that's what repentance is all about. If you struggle with the things you say, I encourage you to really make an effort to change. Learn to think before you speak. James 1.19 says, Therefore, my beloved brothers, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. Our words have a real impact. Do you or anyone you know speaks negatively about their lives or a personal situation? They reinforce a lie that they believe, and it becomes their truth, even though it's still a lie. They build a stronghold in your mind that is hard to break down. For me, I came to the realization that I was complaining and proclaiming a lie about something that I have been praying for. I believe that it has delayed what God wants to help me with. Perhaps you've heard the expression, your perception is your reality. Something might seem like a fact, but we have to rely on the truth instead, which is the Word of God. Anyway, negative talk not only affects you, but it also affects those around you like your spouse, children, co-workers, friends, and family. They create a contaminated environment, spiritually speaking, and a negative atmosphere is off-putting. Maybe you've been around negative people and felt something in your spirit. Something like nails on a chalkboard on the inside of you. Those words are speaking lies and death. First of all, don't get into agreement with what they're saying. Second of all, if this is you, ask God to help you to change your thought patterns and speech. Instead, speak life into your situations. Proverbs 16.24 is a good place to start. Pleasant words are as a honeycomb, sweet to the soul and health to the bones. There's something about our words that literally affects our souls and our health. If we were to say the opposite of this verse, then unpleasant words are bitter to the soul and unhealthy to the bones. Do you want to be healthy and get rid of diseases in your body? I think we all would say yes to that. So a great place to start is with what you speak. So in this teaching, I want to give you a progression of what happens and the consequences of our words. I want you to understand the things that we say may have a spiritual root, can be your flesh, or a combination of the two. I definitely put emphasis on getting the flesh under control because self-control is a fruit of the Holy Spirit. It's always good to address spiritual reasons so that getting the flesh under control is much easier. But part of your spiritual growth with God is also in self-control. There are some ministries that I follow, and I can see the comments that people post. I'm greatly disturbed at what Christians say and how they act towards each other. I heard a phrase from Dr. Michael Lake from the Kingdom Intelligence Briefing say this phrase, and it's perfectly fitting, biting sheep. It grieves me to see Christians tearing each other down, arguing and backbiting with each other. That's exactly what the enemy wants you to do, by the way. Now, I'm not saying that I have arrived and that I'm better than anyone else. Believe me, I'm learning just like the rest of you. But I had to learn the hard way and see firsthand the impact of my words on myself and other people. I've had to make amends with people that I offended. And if you ever want a lesson in humility... Ask for forgiveness from people you hurt with your words. In fact, I highly recommend it because it's a way to close doors and allows the other person the opportunity to forgive, basically putting the ball in their court. 
But this is another topic for another day, God willing. When you're willing to submit to God and allow Him to take you through the sanctification process, one of the things He will likely work on are your words. What I want you to get out of this is to grow in spiritual maturity so that you can go higher in Christ Jesus. I've heard it said that God loves you too much to leave you right where you are. If you feel like you're not growing or not getting promoted, then consider examining yourself, study the word about it, pray, and be willing to get sanctified by changing what you speak or what you write or both. If you want God to trust you, then show him you are serious and committed to changing. With that, let's look at what the Bible has to say. I'd like to give you several key points about our words. Number one, your words determine your outcome in life. They can steer you in different directions and they can wreck your destiny in God. If you're not careful, these words can literally kill your anointing. James 3 verses 3 through 4 says, See how we put bits in the mouths of horses that they may obey us, and we control their whole bodies, and observe ships. Though they are so great and are driven by fierce winds, yet they are directed with a very small rudder wherever the captain pleases. Now, if we were to look at that in context and go read James chapter 3, verses 1 through 12, it's referent to becoming a teacher. But I think it's safe to say that all Christians should be willing to allow this to change them. Anyway, in this passage of Scripture, James makes the observation that a small rudder on a ship steers the whole ship. Compared to the size of the ship, this rudder is very, very small, yet it shows the power that it wields. The point is that it's something that is so small has a dramatic impact on our lives, be it for good or for bad. Let's look at an example of how our words can change our destiny. John the Baptist's father, whose name was Zechariah, was a priest. He was righteous before God according to Luke chapter 1 verse 6. He served in the temple by burning incense. Luke chapter 1 verses 11 through 20 says, Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing on the right side of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was troubled, and fear fell upon him. But the angel said to him, Do not fear, Zechariah, for your prayer had been heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John. So right there you see that he had been praying for a child. Resuming in verse 14, You will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord, and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink. He will be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from his mother's womb. He will turn many of the sons of Israel to the Lord their God. And he will go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just, to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Zechariah said to the angel, How shall I know this? For I am an old man and my wife is advanced in years. The angel answered him, I am Gabriel who stands in the presence of God, and I was sent to speak to you and to bring you this good news. And now you will be silent and unable to speak until the day that these things happen, because you do not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their season. So what went wrong? What happened? He spoke 
hearer from his heart and was guilty of unbelief. Unbelief can completely derail your destiny. Unbelief could be an entirely different message, but let's look briefly at it. Matthew chapter 13, verses 54 through 58, which reads, When he came into his own country, he taught them in their synagogue, so that they were astonished, and said, Where did this man get this wisdom and these mighty works? Is he not the carpenter's son? Is his mother not called Mary? And are not his brothers James, Joseph, and Simon, and Judas? And his sisters, are they not all with us? Where then did this man get these things? And they took offense at him. But Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor in his own country and in his own house. And this is the point I want to make here in verse 58. And he did not do many mighty works there because of their unbelief. Now, it's not that God can't do anything when we're in unbelief. Of course, God can do anything, right? But keep in mind that God gave us free will. God will never violate our free will. So when we are in unbelief, it ties God's hand and you won't receive what you need from him. This is how words can determine your outcome in life. And remember how I said that our words can wreck our destiny? We can look at Job for that. Job chapter 22 verse 28 says, You will also declare a matter, and it will be established unto you, and the light will shine upon your ways. Your words can become a curse if you decree or declare something that isn't true and doesn't line up with the word of God. What you say, you declare. If you speak negatively and complain, like I have before, you will stay stuck right where you are. And believe me, that's not a fun place to be. Furthermore, your words can become a promise if you are not careful. If we vow a vow, we should honor it. Remember the story of Jephthah and the book of Judges? Judges chapter 11, verses 30 through 31, and verses 34 through 35 says, Jephthah made a vow to the Lord, If you will indeed give me the Ammonites into my hands, then whatever comes out from the door of my house to meet me when I return safely from the Ammonites will surely be the Lord's, and I will offer it up as a burnt offering. Oh, I don't know why he said that. He didn't have to. When Jephthah went to his house in Mizpah, there was his daughter coming out to meet him, dancing with a tambourine. She was his only child. Other than her, he had neither son nor daughter. When he saw her, he ripped his clothes and said, Alas, my daughter, you have brought utter disaster to me. Well, it was him that brought utter disaster. It was his words that brought it. It wasn't her. You are my undoing, for I have given my word to the Lord, and I cannot take it back. Again, Jephthah had absolutely no reason to make a vow. He said something. I don't know why he said it, but it was a mistake. All he had to do was simply trust God. Sometimes it's just better to not say anything at all, or only just speak life. Okay, so number two. Now that we have established that your words determine your outcome, let's examine why your words determine your outcome. Let's look at Proverbs chapter 18, verse 21. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. You have the ability to speak life or speak death. Think about that just for a moment. And did you notice there that the word power was used? 
I found a definition of the word power from the Dictionary of Biblical Languages with Semantic Domains. It states, the force and ability sufficient to accomplish a task. Those who are actively involved in witchcraft are all too familiar with this because they know that their words are powerful and they use them to cast spells. For those who are not Christians, they are not afforded God's protection and these witchcraft attacks against them are very powerful and they can accomplish a lot. They are just playing for the wrong team though. Anyway, you can speak things that are death, such as negativity, doubt, unbelief, gossip, lies, curses, etc. I know all too well about speaking neg negatively because I used to do it all the time. Occasionally, I still slip up and do it, and I have to repent for it. This was part of the journey that God had me on to change what I was speaking. The change came, and it actually took some time as I had to practice it. And eventually, the habit changed. The point is to be conscious of what you speak so that you can repent. The bottom line here is to learn to speak life and to not speak death. Quit talking negatively. And this can apply to other people, to your circumstances, and to yourself or about yourself. That's something that I had done. And going back to Zechariah for just a moment, what was the consequence? He essentially had a zipper put on his mouth. Why? because he had the ability to speak negatively and abort what God wanted to accomplish. God had an important task to carry out, and he had to ensure that no negative words or unbelief would stand in the way. Number three, now that we have established that your words determine your outcome and why they do, let's dig a little bit more to see why you speak what you speak. It's important to understand the root of the matter so that your outcome will be much improved. Jesus had something very profound to say about this in Matthew 12, verses 33 through 37. Either make the tree good and its fruit good, or else make the tree corrupt and its fruit corrupt. For the tree is known by its fruit. O generation of vipers, how can you, being evil, speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. A good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good things. And an evil man out of the evil treasure brings forth evil things. But I say to you that for, for every idle word that men speak, they will give an account on the day of judgment. That's kind of a sobering thought, isn't it? For by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. So as you can see in verse 34, that what we say comes from our heart. According to the Greek-English lexicon of the New Testament, popularly known as the BDAG, named after the authors, the heart is, quote, center and source of the whole inner life with its thinking, feeling, and volition, end quote. This sounds very similar to the popular definition of the soul, which you've probably heard as the mind, will, and emotions. Your soul and flesh are what needs work following salvation because at salvation, your spirit man is made perfect. To crucify your flesh, as Paul said, you will need to get your heart and soul in line with the Holy Spirit. Why is that? Let's look at what Jeremiah had to say. Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 9. 
The heart is more deceitful than all things and desperately wicked. Who can understand it? That's why it's important to know what the Bible says and to listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit. I can say that this is something that He is working with me on. Yes, it's uncomfortable, but when I look back, it was so worth it. It was much easier, too, after I went through further deliverance for some things recently. And that's why deliverance is so important. So I've given you a lot of information, and I would like to give you some solutions. The journey to changing your words goes beyond simply what you say. Of course, that's a good starting point, is learning to police yourself. I think it's obvious by now that we must speak life instead. Remember that God spoke this world and the heavens into existence by His words when He said, Let there be light, in Genesis chapter 1, verse 3. God created everything with His words, and after each He said, And God saw that it was good. Can your family, friends, and co-workers see that what you speak are good too? How are your words creating life? So how do we change what we say? How do we speak life and not death? Here are some suggestions. Number one, pray and ask the Lord to show you what you need to change. You can pray Psalm 141 verse 3. Set a guard, O Lord, over my mouth and keep watch over the door of my lips. Number two, get delivered of as many demons as possible. This helped me tremendously. I cannot overemphasize that. Number three, examine your heart. 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 5. Examine yourselves as to whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Do you know, do you not know yourselves that Christ Jesus is in you? Unless indeed you are disqualified. That word examine, pirazo, means to scrutinize or to prove. This is something that you are to do yourself. Of course, the Holy Spirit will show you, but you must look within yourself. That doesn't mean that you beat yourself up and you, and you criticize yourself. You just look, you examine. Number four, crucify your flesh. 1 Corinthians 9 verse 27, But I discipline my body and bring it into subjection lest I have preached to others, lest when I have preached to others, I myself should become disqualified. That word discipline in the Greek, hupopiazo, means to subdue, to put under strict discipline. Now, if you can imagine Paul, one of the greatest apostles, I think, in the New Testament, said that he had to discipline himself, to put it under strict discipline. That's something that we should all be doing on a daily basis. Last, number five, make a commitment to change what you say and let it become a daily practice. I think you've heard it said that it takes 21 days to create a new habit. At first, making these changes may seem difficult, but trust me, it becomes easier. So in conclusion, we talked about how your words determine your outcome and your destiny and why. We also looked at where your words ultimately come from, which is your heart or your soul. We also looked at an example of the consequences of what we say. There are many other examples in the Bible, but I would like to challenge each and every one of you to make your words few as the Lord said to me. Allow God to grow you in spiritual maturity. You will be all the wiser for it, and it will help you grow in your relationship with God and with others.
If you have any comments or questions, you can post them on libertyfromcaptivity.com in the blog section. Also, if you want to contact me directly, feel free to send me a message in the contact section or just simply send me an email at kelly at libertyfromcaptivity.com. Thank you and have a blessed weekend and God bless you. Desperately need